Good morning. Let me say a prayer for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We are incredibly thankful for the good God that you are. We're thankful that you've given us this space, this time to learn and grow and draw nearer to you. I pray, Father, that you would help us today. I pray that you would be at work in our hearts, our thoughts, our minds, and our actions, calling us more and more to be the men and women you've created us to be. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm a big fan of the author, James Clear. Um, Listen to this, what he says. He says, your mind is a suggestion engine. Every thought you have is a suggestion, not an order. Sometimes your mind suggests that you're tired, that you should give up, or that you should take an easier path. But if you pause, you can discover new suggestions. For example, you will feel good once the work is done, or that you have the ability to finish things even when you don't feel like it. Your thoughts are not orders, merely suggestions. You have the power to choose which option to follow. He wrote a book called Atomic Habits. I try to read it regularly because it's one of my favorite authors about habits and life, like using these. He says, you, the habits that you have determine how we spend our time. He said, winners and losers often have the same goals, but they see vastly different results. If you're not seeing the success you're hoping for, chances are you don't have a goal problem, you have a system problem. We don't rise to the level of our goals, we fall to the level of our systems. Start small and celebrate the small wins. Small habits make a big difference. He says new goals don't deliver new results, right? We set these new goals, but it's the lifestyle. New lifestyles do. A lifestyle is a process, not an outcome. For this reason, your energy should go into building better habits, not chasing better results. So his, his big thought is, if we really want to grow in our life, we have to focus on better habits. And each improvement that we make in our life, it adds a grain of sand to the positive side of the scale, tilting things more and more in our favor. It always seems small at first, but they add up. And he said the secret to getting results that last is never stop making these small improvements. And then the big shift in thinking is focus on the identity. So instead of setting a goal that says, I want this to happen, you set a goal based on the identity of who you are, and the results flow from that. This is who I am. I'm the type of person who, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. And then you use small habits to prove to yourself that you are this kind of person. The changes seem small and they seem unimportant, but they compound over time into these huge results that will grow if you stick with them year after year after year. And this matters because the quality of our life depends on the quality of our habits. The better habits we have, the better able we are to grow and be healthy. The worse habits we have, the harder that is to do. And he said this, it doesn't make sense to continue wanting something if you're not willing to do what it takes to get it. If you don't want to live the lifestyle, then release yourself from the desire. To crave the result but not the process is guaranteed disappointment. So put this into context. I might want to be healthy, right? Like I have the goal, I'm going to be healthy this year. But if I'm not willing to do the work and change the habits to be healthy, I'm only going to be disappointed. I might want to be wealthy and have all of this money for extravagant things. But if I don't save and work, I'm not going to just have those things happen overnight. I might want to be successful and accomplished at something very specific, whether it's a job or something I'm trying to work towards, but if I don't put the time in, it's not going to just magically fall into my lap. 
our life moves in the directions of the habits that we have today and what thought patterns, what um, processes we create in our life, all of these things determine who I'm going to be tomorrow. And when we put that into our thinking about our relationship with God and the life he's created for us, we all have the potential to grow the souls, the hearts, the minds that God has given us. We have the ability to create healthy rhythms in our life that allow us to become more and more spiritually and emotionally mature, growing into the men and women he's created us to be. But in the same way, we don't grow into healthy habits without putting the work in and thinking about it. We don't grow into spiritually healthy, mature people without creating a plan for how we do life that helps us grow in this way. Peter Scazzaro calls it a rule for life. It's an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. It provides guidelines to help us continually remember God is the source of our lives. It includes our unique combinations of spiritual practices that provide structure and direction for us to intentionally pay attention and remember God in everything we do. That is a huge plan for life. It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day and the chaos and this and that and schedules and planning that we can go a whole day without even thinking about God or connecting to him at all. And so we need a plan, we need a way to think about life that keeps God at the center of who we are and what we do. So as we study our way through the 12 steps of recovery, we find ourselves, if you can believe it, already at step 10. Step 10 is we continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. So I'm going to do a real big summary to get us caught up where we are. So we started with the first three, the first three steps. I can't, God can, I think I'll let God. We surrendered to the idea that I can save myself and I can do this on my own, but God can, and through his incredible, awesome grace, we can let him do the work he's really good at. Then we took that honest look at ourselves and that searching and fearless moral inventory. We said, I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to avoid the problems, the emotions, the impulses that are painful or hurtful or embarrassing. No more secrets. We took them out. We looked at them. We examined them. We admitted them, and we confessed it all to God. We said, God, I get this. I don't like it. I need help. Take the um, defects, the shortcomings away. I see what it is, and I cannot do this on my own. We ask God for help, and then we work towards making amends for who we've harmed along the way. We thought about who do we need to apologize to? Where do we need forgiveness in our life? We use our words and our actions to apologize and make things right, unless we're doing that would cause further hurt or harm to somebody else. We can't go back and change the past, but we get to choose right now, today, how we move forward. We get to take ownership and responsibility for our life and move forward in healthy and new ways. And now that we have this direction, we have this path, how do we continue down staying healthy on this course? How do we keep ourselves from falling back onto the old habits, the bad habits, the things that didn't help us? Because if you've ever set out to change before, you know it's super easy to fall back into the old comfortable ways of life. The things that make us feel better, the things that are easy, and to avoid that from happening, we keep taking inventory. 
we keep checking in on our life and where we're at, and if we're doing something we shouldn't, we admit it and we apologize. It's not this one and done experience. Like, I have one moment, I talk to God, I admit everything, and then I go about my life. It is a lifetime process of thinking and processing who we are. It's regularly connecting back to God again and again and again. I love in the Psalm, Psalm 139, it says this, verse 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of, lead me in the way everlasting. This is a powerful habit. This is a powerful plan for life that says to God, I'm staying open to you. Not just one time, but again and again and again. And it starts with the premise, nobody knows us like God knows us. Nobody cares more for our future and our heart and our well-being than God does. Now think about this. Growing up in a family, for good or for bad, there's something special about the people who know you and have a sense of your shared stories, your shared memories, even when you get older, right? For good or for bad, it takes one sister, one sibling to say one sentence or one word or one song lyric, and it takes you immediately back to that time. Your family become the, sh- the keepers of your shared past and your shared history, the good and the bad and the memories and the stories, and nobody knows you like a family. Sometimes that's amazing. Sometimes it's harassing because nobody can rile you up like a sibling can. Even when you're grown up, it takes one moment, one shared story to take you back to the past of who you used to be. Now think about that, for example. God gave us this gift Nobody knows us like God does. From the time we started our first adventure of life, even when we were growing and we were developing in our mother's womb, God's known us, everything about us, the framework of our lives. He's the creator of everything. How the world works, how we work, who we have the potential to become are all known by God. We've never been a stranger to him. Now, he might be a stranger to us, but we've never been strangers to him. From the beginning until the very end, we are known and loved by him. But because we're known by him doesn't guarantee that we know him. We have to create regular time and openness to get to know him better, to spend time with him, to learn about him, to grow with him, to chip away at some of the false ideas we've picked up or learn what's right, what's true, who he really is. One of my favorite things we've done in this last year was our time talking about God together. We went from theology and studying the Bible and this wonderful place we have to ask questions and learn big ideas about God. And here's what I've always found to be true. The more I know about the truth of God, the more I love him. The more time we spend with God, the more amazed we become by who he is and what he's done. The more time we spend learning about God and how he works, what he's been doing from eternity past until today, the more I find I can trust him with my life every part of my life, not just the easy parts, not just the parts that are working, but the hard parts and the messy parts and the discouraging parts, not just the parts that I'm putting on my persona of who I think people think people think I should be, 
but all the inner parts of my heart as well. When we connect to God in this way, when we trust him with our lives and our histories and our stories and our hearts and our futures, we find a God who is trustworthy. We find a God who will never, ever let us down. We find that God is trustworthy with our lives, with our hearts, with our fears, with our worries, with our anxieties. We can trust him with these things. When our mind gets away from us, when we feel overwhelmed or when we feel uh, just struggling with the wrong things, the hard things, we can always stop and remember a God who is for us, a God who cares, a God who is with us not just today, but every day into the future. Friends, we might have times where we feel distant from God, but God is never distant from us. We might have places in our life where we feel like all this stuff is in the way and there's all these reasons why we can't be close to God and there's all these barriers to a relationship with God, but that's not how it is on his end. In fact, Christ came into the world to be God with us that we could know him and be known by him and get rid of all of the gaps that stand in between us doing life with him. Now, we have access to this incredible, awesome God who loves us and is for us. Nobody's going to add more to our life than a relationship with Jesus Christ can. Nobody's going to care more for our futures, our well-being, than him. And we follow him. We trust him along the path because we know he's always leading us in the right way. He knows us. He knows the world that we live in. He knows not just who we are today, but who each and every one of us have the potential to become tomorrow. Of every path that lies before us, of every could-be possibility, right? We know all the directions we can follow. When we follow Christ, he's trustworthy, and we can trust the direction that he's leading us in. We can trust when I'm not sure which way to go, when I'm not sure which way to follow, when I'm not sure what to do next. Christ is trustworthy, and we can always follow him. And we can build our life on him. We aren't doing it alone. He never said, figure it out, get it done, do it perfectly. What he said is, we can do this together. You're not in this alone. We could depend on him, look to him, trust in him, lean on him, and that eternally he's been at work holding all things together. It's not our job to make everything work. It's our job to trust in the one who eternally has. God is at work holding all things together, and we can trust him and put our hope in him. Now, it doesn't mean life will become perfect I wish it would be easy, but it's not easy. It's messy still. But in the mess, in the chaos, even in the hard days, we still can trust in him because his plan is good and he knows us. And even when I can't see what's going to happen next, he can. We aren't in it alone. Someone greater than us has gone before us. Someone stronger than us who is much more capable. He's at work. And we can trust that he isn't done. Friends, when we know God in this way, it changes everything. We are able to say, just as the Psalms does, okay, God, I trust you. Search me, know me, test me, show me, lead me. I know you love me. 
I know you want what's best. I know that I can trust the direction that you're taking us. I know that you're faithful. I know that my heart, my future, you've got it all in your hands. And one of the healthiest habits we can create in our life is spending this time getting to know God better, learning about him, trusting him, letting him lead us and guide us giving him that space to keep working in our heart and our thoughts and our actions, not just today, but five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now. I don't know what God's going to want to do in me 20 years from now, but I know it's going to be something. I know he's going to be poking at my heart and my mind and saying, hey, you got work to do here. Let's get to work. Let's dig in and see what comes next. So the question we have to ask ourselves, what time do I have in my daily life to spend with God? When am I going to connect to Christ this week? Where am I going to spend time getting to know him better, that I can trust him in the kind of way that says, search me and know me, test me, show me, lead me. I want you to be at work in my heart. I want you to be at work in my choices. I want to be able to turn to you again and again and again so that I feel not just known by you, but that I can know you as well so that we feel the uh, ability to say, I'm not hiding anymore. I'm not hiding from you. I'm not hiding from myself. I'm living more and more authentically the life you've created me to live. We got to dig in. We got to get in the mess together, and we need God to show us the things we've missed, to show us the things we've overlooked, to show us the things that we've avoided because we like avoiding them. It's easier than dealing with the hardness of it. We need him to lead us Every day, the recognition of God is in charge. I'm following. He's leading. I'm saying that he is Lord in my life and all that I am. And it becomes a lifetime process of letting God lead us and guide us and grow us and develop us. And it's the process of again and again turning to him and saying, God, keep searching my heart. Help me to see what doesn't belong. Help me to clean out what doesn't go there. If you've ever cleaned before, we have um, a room in our house. It's the room above the garage. And it's like part office, part playroom. I've cleaned this room so many times, like taken in boxes and garbage bags and cleaned it out and organized it. If you walked in there today, you would never tell. Like it just drifts back towards piling stuff. Have you done this before? You've cleaned something and it just gets messy again. Stuff piles up. Clutter magically shows up out of nowhere. But the same thing happens in us. We do the work to clean out who we are, clean out our hearts, clean out the mess, clean up whatever we need to clean up. And we think, I'm good, I'm done, I'm clean. But we drift back towards the mess. We drift back towards unhealthy habits, unhealthy behaviors, unhealthy choices. We drift back towards what's easy, what's comfortable. Just because we know what's the right thing to do doesn't guarantee that we do the right thing. We need an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ where he can challenge us and comfort us and confront us and change us. We need to regularly take stock of where we are, what we're doing, where we're not getting it right, and where we need help to do better. We need this ongoing connection to a life with Christ so that we can keep taking inventory of who we are and where we're getting it wrong, make it right. So I want to give us a way to practice this. I want to make it real accessible for us. It's the idea examine. 
It's E-X-A-M-E-N, and it's a spiritual exercise that came from Ignatius, and it's practiced by the Jesuits. So what they call it is an exercise in the practice of attentiveness and discernment. So attentiveness is I look at my lived experience, my life, my day-to-day reality, and then discernment is where is God active in my life? So I think about my life and my experience, and I look for the ways that God is present in the experience. And the practice, there's five steps to it, and it takes about 10 to 15 minutes a day to do. But the idea is looking at the actual life that you're living and looking for ways to connect to God and see him at work. So I'm going to give us these five steps. What if we practiced it this week? What if we put 10 to 15 minutes aside every day to do this examine work to look at our lives and connect with God? Here are the five steps. Number one, give thanks. It's the practice of gratitude. It's looking at your day and saying, here's what I'm thankful for. The power of gratitude is just ridiculous because it's good for our minds. It's good for our hearts. It pushes us to see just beyond the problems or the hard or the things that we're trying to do to look constantly for the good. It pushes us to say, what brings me joy? What do we delight in? Because joy and delight are at the absolute core of God's plan for you and I. He's the author of joy. He created delight, and we experience these things when we focus and practice on gratitude. Practice looking at your life right now and saying, what's good? What's good in my family? What's good at work? What's good in myself? In everyday practice, writing down three to five things that you're grateful for, because when you look for it, you'll find it. Every day, you turn your mind towards gratitude and what you have to be grateful for. So number one, uh, give thanks. Number two, ask for light. Ask God to enlighten you, showing you where he's been at work and present in your day through events, people, and places. This is the power of perspective. What happens is we see what we're looking for, and we assume that the way that we see things is the way they really are or the way that they should be. And what happens is our attitudes, our behaviors, they grow out of this assumption. The way we see things is the source of how we think, how we act, and what we do. But here's the tricky part. We think we see things as they are, that we're objective, right? I'm good at being able to tell what is. Unfortunately, we see not how it is, but how we are, how we're conditioned to see it. We think that we're looking at things objectively, but instead, we see things through our lens, our bias, our life experience. And we need help asking God to show us things as they are, to lighten the way for us so that we can see where he's at work, what he's doing, and what's going on around us. Because a different perspective based on who he is and what he can do changes everything. And when we ask God for this light, we're saying, show me where you're at work. Show me what you're doing. Show me the light in my life, in my family, in myself, and look for the evidence of the goodness of God. What if every day this light that we ask God for is looking for the evidence of the goodness of God in our life, what he's still at work doing? Every day, look for one piece of evidence that God is good, that God is at work. So, We give thanks, we ask for light, and then third, we examine our day. 
it's easy to go from day to day to day and they all blur together. <laughs> like, I can't remember what happened two weeks ago, let alone a month ago, let alone five years ago. It's easy to get into the pool of day to day and miss the moments that make up our day to day life. And so this idea is to review the moments of your day, noticing, and there's two ideas here, what led to consolation and what's led to desolation, and how am I reacting to those events, people, and places. Here's how they define consolation and desolation. So when I'm examining my day, consolation is when something is deeply and genuinely good for us. It's good for our souls. It leads us towards God. It helps us turn away from selfish behaviors and actions and choices. Consolation is where, when I look through my day, do I see these moments that were deeply and genuinely good for my soul and good for my heart and good for my mind? On the other hand, desolation is when something's not good for us. We see, we get wrapped up in our own selves and we're not even caring or thinking about God's gifts, God's grace, and we substitute other things for the satisfaction that we should be looking for from God. And they said, here's how you know the difference. Faith, hope, and love. These things will show itself when it's the right thing in an increase in faith, self-confidence in myself, my family, my colleagues, students, society, and God. There's an increase in hope. I feel more positive. I feel more hopeful. I'm seeing the best, and there's little opportunities that I want to grab hold of, and I have a reason to, like, get up and do the next thing because of that hope. And also an increase in love the loving and compassionate ways that I'm drawn to treating people around me, even when it's difficult. So we examine our day, and then fourth, we seek forgiveness. We ask God's forgiveness for the times when we've acted, spoken, or just through, were contrary to his grace and his calling. Richard Wurr said, what we do not consciously acknowledge will remain in control of us from within, festering, destroying us and those around us. So part of our ongoing relationship with God is regularly seeking forgiveness. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to need forgiveness. And the forgiveness we find in Jesus Christ, it's not just for everything we've done in the past, but even for the things we've yet to do. Christ is ready to forgive me for the things that I have going on, not just yesterday, but today and tomorrow as well. When we think through our day, we say, where do I need to ask God for forgiveness again? And we aren't humiliated that we have to ask for God's forgiveness. We know it's part of our ongoing relationship with him. And then finally, fifth, we resolve to change. We decide what in our behavior, our attitude, we're going to try to improve tomorrow. Every day I'm looking at myself and saying, what can be done differently? How could I have responded differently, acted differently, chosen differently? What could I have said differently in that experience? What can I learn to grow here? Every day is this new chance to look to examine and improve and change who we are and who we could become. We're saying, I'm not going to settle for just good enough, but I'm going to continue forward towards growth and health and life with Jesus Christ. See, just even looking at life this way, we get to take ownership of who we are in the day-to-day -day living with God at the center, always looking for what he's doing, always connecting to him in our hearts and our minds, open to his good work. This has to become a regular part of our daily life if we're ever going to keep growing beyond who we are today. We have to examine our hearts and our minds to see what God can do. 
we grow in our faith and we establish these new habits and these new behaviors that drive our decisions and our choices. The goal of growing spiritually is growing closer to the God who knows us and loves us and for us. The goal of creating these healthy spiritual choices and lives is to grow more and more fully into the people he's created us to be. We get to say our identity, I am this person, this is who I am, is somebody connected to God always. And everything we do, who we are, flows from that connection to who he's created us to be. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us with this. I recognize that this can be a process that takes time and energy and effort, and some days we feel like it's just beyond us. So I pray, Father, that you would encourage us and strengthen us. I pray that you would remind us of the work you are doing and have been doing for all of time and history. I pray, Father, that our hearts would be filled with faith, hope, and love. I pray, Father, that you would give us the courage to keep looking at who we are and who you are and what you want to do next. I pray, Father, as we examine our lives, as we keep taking inventory and working towards growing and being healthier men and women, that you would be at work, that your goodness and your grace would shine in all of it. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.